Want to know what successful people are doing with their money to create wealth and use it consciously for the greater good? Welcome back to Wealth Unplugged, the weekly podcast that gives you diamond tips on creating conscious wealth from change makers, world shakers, and wealth creators. Now here's your host, Barbara Turley. Hi there, and welcome back to another week of Wealth Unplugged, the podcast where I give you the key tips and strategies that I pick up from the people I'm interviewing on my Feminine Wealth TV show every week. So the idea of this podcast is it's short and snappy, so between 10 and 15 minutes long, where I just give you those key strategies that I pick up from those amazing entrepreneurs and investors and people out there doing fantastic things with wealth and with their lives, really. So this week, I've had a crazy, crazy week this week because I'm heading into um, a product launch soon. So I'm launching my Get Savvy Academy training program, and the launch is going to be in in August uh, of this year. And I've been doing tons and tons of video and, and voice recordings and, you know, presentations and organizing things. So my voice is a little hoarse, I think, from from speaking too much. So you'll have to excuse me. So Feminine Wealth Show this week, I had such an exciting guest on the show. And she's actually someone I've become kind of friends with over the last few years as she's uh, she's developed sort of new things and I've gotten to know her better. Lisa Messenger. She is CEO of the Messenger Group and editor-in-chief of the brand new or relatively new Renegade Collective magazine, which is a super, super sexy entrepreneurial magazine that is sitting up there rivaling things like magazines like Vogue, Marie Claire. It sits right up there in the middle of those. It's like a glossy magazine, but it's for an entrepreneurial um, flair of person. So I personally love the magazine. And I also love Lisa because it's not just the magazine, really. It's more Lisa's sense of hustle, to be honest, and her ability to dream so big and then to execute really, really big. It's just fascinating. Basically, Renegade Collective came out about 18 months ago now, maybe 12 to 18 months ago. The magazine is already in 29 different countries around the world, and it's set to be in 50 countries by the end of this year. So also, in terms of distribution, Lisa did the largest magazine launch in Australian history in terms of the distribution model. And this is from a woman who was had nothing to do with the magazine industry before. She had no experience in that particular end of the market. Yes, she had publishing experience, but nothing in magazine land, which is a totally different ball game, I guess. So I was really excited to get Lisa on the show to talk about, you know, how do, how do you pull off something like this? How do you pull off, you know, a launch of a magazine when there's already five and a half thousand magazines in the Australian market alone? And it's a cutthroat and very, very competitive space. So... We sat down and we got right into it. And if you have time, I would really urge you to to head on over and check out the whole interview. But my three sort of top key takeouts from Lisa. The first one I loved is she made a comment. She said, in business, it's a good skill to learn detachment from outcome. And I love this because, you know, she was talking about pivoting, this idea of pivoting in business. And as we all know, things change, markets move very quickly, economies go down. You know, we've had situations like we had 9-11, we've had the financial crisis, we had, you know, lots of different things happen. And sometimes 
when we become really wedded to an outcome in, in our business, we can't see when we need to shift quickly and we need to move and change with the times. And often this is why businesses fail and they go down the tubes because they can't see that maybe it's time to rethink the strategy and fast I suppose acting fast would be the thing. So, you know, she just sort of said she, there's been times in her career and her entrepreneurial journey when she's had to be really open-minded and really hustle hard and she's had to quickly change tack. So, for example, she started her first business, which was a sponsorship business, just before 9-11 happened back in 2001. And prior to that, you know, the likes of BMW were, were you know, throwing millions in sponsorship at things like Cirque du Soleil and various different events like that. So she went into this business. She had had a lot of success in the sponsorship area working for someone else uh, prior to this and just launched her own business. And then, bam, the economy completely changed and everything went downhill. You know, budgets dried up. Nobody was spending money on sponsorship. And she had to rethink her model pretty quickly. So as she said herself, all of a sudden, she wasn't a sponsorship agency anymore. She became a sort of a multifaceted um, marketing agency. So she was kind of a jack of all trades. But she had to go where the business was. She had to figure out where was she going to, you know, where was she going to push to? And where was she going to find new business that was going to keep her afloat and keep things moving? So, and you know, she has pivoted and changed a lot over her entrepreneurial journey. And what I love actually about her is they're all iterations of the messenger group, I guess. They were, there was messenger sponsorship, then there was messenger publishing, and there's, there's um, been the messenger group all along. But she moved into publishing and now she's in, in uh, she was doing um, publishing books and now she's in the magazine industry, obviously. So she has kind of morphed over time and moved with the market. Now, in terms of the magazine, you know, she decided that she wanted to launch this magazine and she wanted it to sit up there on the shelves to rival Vogue, Marie Claire in terms of the glossy magazine style. But she really wanted to create a magazine that was about entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. So something that she was looking for herself. Now, I know so many of you out there, you know, when we have big ideas and we have an idea that we're so passionate about and we believe is value, value, value to the market. And then you go and ask people, and, you know, I mean, I would imagine that there would be a ton of people out there that would have told Lisa that she was completely crazy. It's so cutthroat. It's too competitive. You never, I mean, how are you going to launch something like this? It costs a lot of money to do it. But no, Lisa had the vision and she decided that this was valuable and that the market was going to want it. And she went after her dream and she made it happen. She put it together. So she created this value. And, I, you know, as I always say, with business and with wealth, or creating wealth through, through business, it really comes down to two things. You want to create value, something that is seen as valuable, not just by you, but by the market and make sure that the market is looking for it. And then you need to leverage it. Now, she has pulled off these two things amazingly. So let's look at the value piece first. She created this magazine. She knew it was going to be valuable because she was already hunting for this and she was an entrepreneur. But how do you make sure that the market wants it? How do you make sure that you don't go spending like a million dollars on a creation of a product that really then turns into a flop? Because that's extremely risky. And this is what makes business very, very risky when people do stuff like this. What Lisa did, and this is kind of my, my second key takeout, I guess, what Lisa really, really did, which was amazing, is she ran around first and she got distribution. Now, what do I mean by that? Basically, before she printed a page of that magazine, she ran around and tied up as many deals as she possibly could to distribute the magazine. 
So she had already had this kind of um, experience in sponsorship and moving that sponsorship model into book publishing before, where her first book, she went to some of the um, big corporates, you know, the banks, and she said to them, I have this beautiful book. Why don't you, um, you know, buy a load of these books and use them as um, beautiful gifts for clients or, you know, rather than just those squidgy balls and, you know, a packet of golf balls and stuff like that, use a beautiful book. And they did. And she sold a ton of, of books to major corporates. So she decided to go the same route with the magazine. And, you know, what was amazing is that, first of all, it really, really worked. So she got corporate sponsorship for the magazine idea before she launched. She also managed to get it into the Qantas business and chairman lounges of um, the Qantas offices everywhere, which was another amazing deal to do. And then the third thing she did was she managed to get distribution into retail as well. So the magazine had a really strong uptake before she printed a page of the magazine. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to do this because it needs you need a lot of hustle to be able to do stuff like this. I'm just saying it's clever. It's very, very clever. And it's also a brilliant risk mitigation strategy because a lot of people go into business, they lose a lot of money, they make a mess of things because there isn't this sense of risk mitigation beforehand. So you create value And then you leverage that value through things like distribution. And if you can tie up distribution, I've spoken about this before. If you can tie up distribution for your product, you know, either prior to creating it or prior to going to market, it is worth its weight in gold. And this is not just for a physical product either. If you're creating a digital training program or, you know, some sort of online product, you can sell that product before you've ever created it. Because there's no point in spending six months creating a whole program and you know, doing all the videos and everything for the actual program before you've had anybody say that and raise their hand and say that they're actually interested in it. All you've got to really do is create the modules of a program and you know the, the whole marketing behind it and get out there and sell the program. And then you can create the program afterwards once you've sold some and you're in it. So being a good deal maker, I think that's one of the the key things that I would I would take from this. You gotta you gotta try and get some hustle, ask the questions, and what's the worst that can happen when you go out and try and make deals? People say no. And there's your answer. There's the market coming back to you and telling you what the feedback is. So I was interested then to talk to Lisa about this, you know, furthering on this risk-taking discussion and just bringing in this idea of women and risk-taking. I mean, I know it's a gross generalization to make, but as women, we actually are not as big risk-takers as men. Now, you know, there's a whole, I could do an entire podcast and I could talk for an hour about the reasons why that is in terms of our physiology. And there are actually reasons behind that. In fact, I'll probably do a future podcast on something like that. But I asked her, you know, she's taken some seriously big risks. Well, you know, they're calculated risks. And I talked to her, you know, how do you, how do you get past that? How do you get past the fear? What, what is it that gets her through that? And what I loved about her answer is that she said, I very quickly go to the worst case scenario and I get really, really clear on what that would look like and what that means then for what I would, would need to do in that situation. And what I love about this is that, you know, oftentimes in business in it, and particularly in investing, people always look at how much money they can make. They always look at the upside And I always say, you know what, if you look after the downside and if you get very, very clear and strategic about the downside, the upside will take care of itself. So this is exactly what she does. And I would urge you out there, never be afraid 
to look at the worst case scenario because it's prudent. And, you know, if the worst case, you know, is the worst case scenario that you completely blow up your whole entire life? Well, then maybe you need to put some strategies in place or think about, you know, maybe you do need investors on board. Maybe you do need a partner. Maybe you need more distribution. Maybe you need to sell more before you go after this. Maybe you need to stay in your job a little bit longer before you launch that business. Maybe you need to work the business on the weekend and do a full-time job just while you get the risk mitigation in place. Doesn't matter what level of business you're at. Doesn't matter if you're starting out. Doesn't matter if you're at the stage where you're about to raise 10 million in capital. The worst case scenario is what you need to look at and you need to be very clear on what that looks like. And it's not a fear thing. It's a clarity thing. It's, and, you know, just making sure that you've done your, yeah, your scenario analysis and that you know what you would do in each situation so that you don't have to think about it. If that situation occurs, you already have it written down and documented. So I think I'll leave you on that point for today. And I would urge you go back and look at the interview if you get a chance over on my website at energizewealth.com. And of course, if you find this podcast useful and if you find it valuable, I'd love to hear about it either on the comments over on energizewealth.com or on iTunes. If you can um, subscribe to the show and give us a review and a rating, that would really, really be valuable um, to me and to the team putting it together. So it helps us to get the show out to more people as well. So um, remember to come back next week when I'm going to be exploring more fantastic tips, strategies and exciting stuff from guests I'm having on my Feminine Wealth TV show. I'm not sure who's on next week, actually. We're um, in talks with a few amazing entrepreneurs out there. So be sure to come back and check it out then. Thanks for tuning in. Come and join us on EnergizeWealth.com to continue the conversation. Get your free video training, 7 Steps to Energized Wealth, and watch the video interviews that were the inspiration behind this 